0: You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM market update podcast.
1: Before the festive period, uh, there was an announcement that there was some conflict happening in Yemen and the conflict w- resulted in a crucial uh, closure of the Suez Canal, which is effectively the route in which cargo ships pass through uh, as I would say a shortcut because it's a much shorter trip than what they're doing now, but it is the main transport route that cargo ships use uh, that connects the Mediterranean Sea to the Indian Ocean that allows for the movement of cargo goods from the eastern part of the world into central Europe and potentially then onwards to uh, the western side of the world. And that route has been compromised as a result of uh, the strikes. that have been taking place in Yemen uh, and that's had a significant impact on not only the shipping routes uh, but on the costs of shipping and on supply chain and I'm joined on the line by the uh, Managing Director at Servest Marine, uh, Andrew Hendricks, so to take a look at the impact that this has had on uh, global shipping routes, as well as what we could potentially see uh, going forward uh, in terms of how this could affect you and I. Uh, good evening, Andrew. Thanks, as always, for the time. Uh, $200 billion in trade over the last couple of weeks has had to be rerouted as a result of this Suez Canal closure. Um, where do we stand at the moment in terms of the impact that this has had on a uh, national uh, perspective around the Red Sea, but also from a global perspective in terms of uh, supply chain.
0: Uh, good evening, Jimmy. Good to be with you again. Um, first of all, the Suez Canal ha- actually has not closed. At, at the moment, it's operating at about 45% of its standard normal daily capacity. Um, and you just got to bear in mind that 15% of all international trade passes through the Suez Canal. You're talking two. About 20,000 to 25,000 ships a year go through the Suez Canal, so it, it really has a massive impact on what's what, uh, on on just as you were saying earlier, on 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 both both global trade, and and just on on, glo- on the global economy as a whole. Um, if you consider what actually happens when the the Suez Canal, which is the main archery for international trade, is compromised, the trip. From east to west and west to east is is extended by about 5,000 kilometres, which is a uh, week to 10-day trip around the Cape of Good Hope. This obviously, first of all, will create delays in goods arriving at their destination. Um, your shipping lines have been, uh, who, who, that have set particular liner routes with schedules have, been, have now had those those, um, those liner schedules compromised. So so once again, after uh, just beginning to get off our feet after COVID, disruptions to to world trade and having seen trade rates drop significantly over the last year and a half, um, uh, you're seeing now all of a sudden we're going backwards. Um, We're seeing ourselves now with with, um, vessels that are going to go around the Cape and you look at 18 shipping liners um, that have committed to going uh, their vessels to going around the Cape. Um, and some of them are the world's biggest. You, you've got your MSC and you've got your Maersk and hapag Lloyd. And you're talking here yeah, your, your biggest, your biggest um, shipping companies in the world saying they're not going to risk going through the sewers, having to make this voyage around the Cape. And as we saw in, inflation coming down, things improving in, in, as, in, as far as inflation goes, suddenly you now have shipping rates doubling literally doubling, um, the, the, the surcharges that are going to be put in place will definitely double your rates from what they were um, a month or two ago. Um, if you just consider the, the kind of things that are – that, 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 where, where the impacts are, it's mainly fuel, of course. I mean, the average container vessel will now need to spend an extra one million U.S. dollars on fuel. And, of course, then there's all the other aspects of operating and, and a vessel, which is your crewing costs. Your repairs and maintenance schedules that the vessels have to keep, um, which will, have to be, will be impacted by those extra 10 days at sea, then of course your insurances, you can imagine the insurances, whether you're going through the sewers or not, your insurances are going to be increasing. So, so, yeah, so it's going to have a detrimental impact, of course, on, on world trade, just at a time when we were actually hoping to see some relief. Um, when it comes to inflation and and, and seeing rates drop into um, as far as international shipping rates
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, are okay. going
1: Andrew where there is chaos there is often uh, pockets of opportunity and uh, the opportunity in this case sits in Cape Town because I understand that with the rerouting I mean you touched on it saying that uh, the the route now to get to Europe has become um, five thousand kilometers longer for some ships and uh, obviously there would be refueling and all of that and it seems that the uh, the ports in Cape Town and the ports in the southern part of uh, Africa are now uh, poised to see a lot more traffic than what they're used to seeing. Is this something that um, we are in a position to take advantage of? And if so, uh, how do you take advantage of that? How do you um, make the most of the bad situation, so to speak?
0: Yes, I guess that you. There could be a windfall. Um, We've spoken to agents, shipping agents, and other operators like ourselves. Um, Servest, obviously, does OPL with launch services, um, two vessels passing the South African coast. Um, and, yes, there has been an increase in, in requests specifically around bunkers because, you know, your, your ship owners are saying, heck, we've got this longer journey now, 15, now, other 5,000 kilometers that we have to travel, and we don't have fuel on board. So we need to fuel urgently. So... So, yes, there is there is uh, an opportunity, especially for fuel and bunker suppliers in South Africa. There are three ports currently that supply bunkers to passing vessels. Um, unfortunately, those vessels will need to come into port to pick up those bunkers, and that's Durban, Cape Town and Richards Bay. Unfortunately, just um, if, you were, if, it, if this was several months ago uh, in the middle of last year, Algoa Bay was perfectly positioned um, with, with tankers um, sitting out in Algoa Bay um, supplying bunkers to vessels at sea so they wouldn't even need to come into port. Um, and along with that, uh, um, the, all the launch service companies and service providers around um, the port of Port Elizabeth in um, we we're, we're, were running out provisions and spare parts and doing crew changes with international cl- crews flying in from, from around the world, uh, as as we do in Cape Town and Durban as well. Um, but Quebec Cor- had become a... a, a a sort of hot spot for doing bunkering services. Exactly what's needed right now. But unfortunately with a dispute with SARS and bunker supplies, that service has now stopped. So the so do, and then if you look at our ports, our ports are ready I and mean, we know the the, the the fact that they're being congested coming into the new year. And uh, we've heard many reports on, on, on what's been going on in the in the ports of Durban, particularly with all the vessels, seventy vessels standing out uh, outside of Durban waiting to come in. Captain also having uh, delays as well. Um, so ship owners that are finding themselves in a position to to look for bunkers as a priority are saying, can we afford to to, to risk going to Durban where we might be delayed outside of the port? And when we get into port, it's very expensive to go into port. You're looking at 35,000 US dollars a day to be in a port like a port of Durban if you have a container vessel. We might find ourselves delayed in the port because of the fact that maybe the tugs are delayed or there's other, other delays in the port. In, in Cape Town, you might have wind. Um so they're, so they're looking for alternatives. So unfortunately, yes, there is that advantage that we have here around the coast. And we could have that windfall of actually having all these vessels coming around, needing fuel and supplies, et cetera. But I think a lot of this business will go to places like Mauritius, Port Louis, where there's government incentives in place. And there are tankers offshore that can do offshore bunkering. Um, I know Maputo is having seen a pickup already as well. Namibia, with the Belfast Bay, and then Angola. I believe that Luanda has also seen vessels looking for fuel. They're also, their pricing in Luanda is very good. So, yes, we, we, the, 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 the traditional place would be South Africa, the, the ports of South Africa, but I, I do not believe that we're properly primed for this, and preparation needs to happen years in advance for this kind of situation. Not all of a sudden. You can't just jump in and create, create the scenario or create the environment to be able to assist uh, um, at short notice. So, possibly the full advantage is not going to be able to be taken. Yes, we are seeing a pickup. We are are seeing a few more launches coming through. At this moment in time, there's about 300 vessels that have been rerouted. Um, Those vessels will come past um, our our coastline. Some of them will come to South Africa. But just bear in mind that if you look per month, on a monthly basis, there are between 7,000 and 14,000 vessels passing our coastline. And this is an opportunity that's been waiting to be Uh, that that needs to be looked at very carefully and saying are we really as a country um, are we working with government assisting and looking at ways to actually exploit our geographical um, strategic position and and, and promote the growth of of the offshore supply business where we go to what we call OPL supplying vessels at at off port limits so little boats are going out to meet vessels passing by they don't have any interest in, in our ports they're not delivering stuff to South Africa but they're delivering cargo around the world, but they wouldn't need to do crew changes, they'll need fuel, they need fresh water, they need all kinds of things. And it has a big knock on effect. Your, your bakeries, your hospitality industry, your, 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 um, the provisions that they need to take, fresh produce, all of this, all this local stuff that can be, be, be being exported to, to vessels as they're passing by. And we're not taking full advantage of that.
1: Well, hopefully the government does see this uh, as a window of opportunity. And as you rightly mentioned, if we don't make advantage or if we don't make use of it now that we set up uh, South Africa to be able to make use of it in future and leverage off of that in future, we'll have to leave that conversation there. Thanks so much, Andrew. That's Andrew Hendrickson, who's the managing director of Servest Marine on the latest impact that the Red Sea conflict is having on the global shipping routes.